Hi, everyone. It's awesome to see you this morning. And I just want to thank you for joining us again for another week of our Kingdom Living series. For those of you just joining us, we're going through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And today we're looking at the topic of marriage and divorce. It's an important topic, and it's something that Jesus had something to say. And so if you have your Bible or a Bible app with you, go ahead and open it to Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. That's where we're going to be today. Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. And uh, while you're all turning there, just a, a quick story. A lot of us have been to a number of weddings in our life, and every once in a while... You show up at a wedding and something happens kind of unexpected or something exciting happens. You know, besides the normal kind of stuff that happens at weddings. I I was at a wedding for one of my friends and uh, uh, they were doing that part where you light the unity candle and each, you know, each of them has a candle and they're, they're lighting the candle in the middle and the pastor was preparing everybody for this important part of the marriage ceremony And uh, as he was talking about these candles and what they meant, next thing we know, the pastor's arm is on fire. He somehow had brushed his sleeve, the sleeve of his suit coat, in the fire. Somebody asked me, how was the wedding? I said, the pastor was on fire, like literally on fire, you know. And so flames are coming up and somebody jumps in quickly and puts out the fire and they light the candles and do, you know, every marriage went on just like normal. They're happily married to this day. I heard another story. Uh, a, a couple was getting married and um, as they were praying, the candle flared up between the two of them. Luckily, the pastor's wife jumped into action. She put out the fire only to realize she had used the couple's marriage license. <laughs> So these kinds of things happen, you know, at weddings. Sometimes crazy things happen, you know, and they always go under hashtag marriage fail. Um, The good news is, or not marriage fail, wedding fail. Uh, The good news is that a wedding fail doesn't necessarily mean a marriage fail. But what do you do when your marriage begins to fail? What do you do when a marriage begins to struggle? Now today we're talking about a sensitive topic. And we're talking about the topic of marriage and divorce. And I think all of us here today know the statistics. One in two marriages today ends in divorce. And that is a very sobering statistic. And what it means is that all of us here today in this room have been affected either directly or indirectly by divorce. And it may have been you and your spouse. It may have been your parents. It may have been a close family member. It may have been a friend. I think even Angie and I, we have walked through this with family members. We've seen this and we've seen how destructive and heart-wrenching divorce can be. And so we come to this topic today. It is a sensitive topic and yet it's something that has impacted all of us in some way. Or maybe you're here today and maybe as you think about your marriage, maybe your marriage is in trouble. Is there hope for you today? Maybe you're here today and uh, you're thinking about getting married. How do you not just become another divorce statistic? 
One in two marriages. I mean, that just boggles my mind. And so I just want to say up front, if you're here today, and maybe a divorce has already occurred in your life, and I just want to say up front, we're not here to beat you up. Right? You cannot change the past. You can learn from the past. You can move on from the past. You can ask God to forgive the past if there's something to be forgiven. You can ask God to heal the past. But you can't go back and change the past. But you can change your present and you can change your future. And that's what today is all about. So we just believe that God has a hope and a future for every person in this room today. Do you guys believe that? We believe God has a hope and a future for every marriage in this room today. And it's good. And, and that future really starts today as you say yes to following Jesus. It starts today as we come to Jesus and we learn from him. And we just believe that there is no sin that Jesus can't forgive. There's no past Jesus can't redeem. And there is no hurt that Jesus can't heal. Do we believe that, church? Yeah, we believe that. And so we come to our passage today now with that in mind, that God really does have something good for us today in our present and in our future. And for those of you who are joining us, we're in this series on the Sermon on the Mount. What is the Sermon on the Mount? Well, the Sermon on the Mount is probably the, um, the best known sermon Jesus ever preached. It's a powerful sermon. And we're in a section of this sermon where Jesus is talking about some tough issues. If you were here last week, we talked about this whole issue of lust. So Jesus is really talking about things that are real, things that we experience. He's in this section on divorce, and he's actually talking specifically to his followers. And that's important. And he's calling them to a higher standard in six areas of life. He's calling them to a higher standard in the area of anger. He's calling them to a higher standard in the area of sexual purity. He's calling them to a higher standard in the area of marriage and divorce. So listen to what Jesus has to say. We're in Matthew 5. We're just going verse by verse through this Sermon on the Mount. And and look at what Jesus has to say. Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. Those are the words of Jesus. He said... It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who married a divorced woman commits adultery. So hey, if you're here for the very first time, (laughs) welcome to Hope Community Church. Picked a good one. We're going to pray and... uh, We want to talk about Jesus' teaching on divorce. And I also want to talk about three powerful principles that can help you stay married for a lifetime. So that's what we're looking at today. Um, But let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for um, your word. And uh, we know that you didn't shy away from some of the hard topics. So we don't want to shy away from that either. Um, But God, I just pray that you would give us grace to hear, that you would give me grace to speak. And God, most importantly, I just ask that through our time together, wherever we're at in life, whatever stage, Father, we just ask that you would do a work of transformation in our heart. Because you're really calling us to a higher standard. 
not just in this area, but in so many areas. And we need the help of your Holy Spirit. So come and help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're looking on Jesus' teaching on uh, marriage and divorce. And the first thing that we see in Jesus' teaching is this powerful idea that marriage is for life. And we all go into marriage believing this. Marriage is for life. God designed marriage to be a lifelong love relationship that is bound together by covenant promises. So marriage is this life commitment. It is for life. But I also want to say today that marriage is not the only life. And uh, Jesus did not make marriage a requirement for following him. In fact, Jesus praised People who chose a life of singleness for his kingdom. Many of you know Jesus was single. Paul was single. And we have many people in this room today that are single. Um, Maybe even half of this room today. We have many people here. And so we want to acknowledge our singles and say, you know, marriage is for life, but it's not the only life. It's not God's second best. It's not a problem to be solved. It's a life to be lived. Amen? So we just come saying, whatever stage of life God has you in, he has a calling and a purpose on your life today. But as we look specifically at marriage and what Jesus might be saying, he's giving us this idea, this very important idea, that marriage is for life. So let's, let's look at what Jesus has to say one more time. Matthew 5, 31 and 32. These are the words of Jesus in his most famous sermon of all time. And you can just imagine what people might have been feeling as they heard this. Jesus said, It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. It's what's been said. And then Jesus says, But I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. Anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. We've seen the last few weeks Jesus is going through some of the Ten Commandments. And he's certainly reflecting on that. In this statement. But we see in Jesus' day that people had been saying, oh man, marriage isn't working out, you want to get a divorce. They would say, you need a certificate of divorce. And certainly not much has changed since then. Um, even, you know, as marriages struggle today, people would say, oh, well, you know, get a lawyer, file for divorce, certificate of divorce. But actually, back in those days, when people were saying, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce, they were actually misreading something that was written in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 24. And in Deuteronomy 24, Moses actually says that to get a divorce, you need a certificate of divorce. You could go back and read it, but really what he's saying is you can't just get angry and send somebody away. Like, hey, you get in this argument and you just send somebody away. He's actually saying you need a certificate of divorce. And what we know is that this was a big protection for women back in that day. But people began to abuse this scripture. They began to say, you want a divorce? It's easy. Just get a certificate of divorce. And Jesus seems to be arguing against that. We see this in Matthew 19. Put this up on the screen. Some Pharisees came to test Jesus. And they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? You know, I'm, I'm not happy in my marriage. This isn't fulfilling. We're, we're not getting along. Can't I just file for divorce? Is it lawful for any and every reason? Listen to what Jesus said. 
So he takes us back to the purpose of marriage, what we're talking about today. He says, haven't you read, Jesus replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. Isn't that powerful? So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then they asked, now they're going back to Deuteronomy 24. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Talking about Deuteronomy 24.1. Listen to what Jesus says. Again, he's trying to bring them back to God's purpose for marriage. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the very beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. So we just go, what is Jesus saying? What's he teaching us today? And what Jesus is saying is that divorce was never God's will. Divorce was never part of God's original plan. And what he's saying to us today is that divorce is always the result of sin. It's a result of the hardening effect of sin on the human heart. That God's purpose for marriage is always that it would be a husband and a wife joined together, one flesh, living together in a committed, faithful, unified marriage for life. Lord, God has joined together. Let no one separate. That's God's heart and that's God's plan for our marriage. He always made marriage to be for life. And that's God's heart and that's God's passion for every marriage in this room today and every future marriage in this room today. It's his heart and passion for marriage. Angie and I got married on June 3rd, 2000. Thought I'd put a picture up just for you to see us. Uh, I love the fact we got married in the year 2000. Makes it pretty easy to know how many years I've been married. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and also, you know, it is the year 2020, so that means we are going to be married for 20 years this year. That's exciting for us. That's exciting for our family. But everybody looks at these pictures. They're like, oh, yeah, like Angie, she looks exactly the same. But who's the guy with the lamb chop sideburns? <laughs> That's the guy she married. <laughs> That's me, you know. I mean, it's amazing. Just, you know, we were so young at that age. And uh, here we are. We've been married together now 20 years. What a story, you know, all of us um, think about, you know, our stories. But on that day, and you can see us, there we are, you know, we're holding hands, we're exchanging vows, and uh, that's actually uh, our youth pastor, uh, Blake Bush, just a great um, mentor and friend, him and his wife, and uh, we're in front of everyone. We're making these promises. We're making these vows. You know, I'm saying, I, and I take you, Angie, to have and to hold from this day forward. You guys know these vows? For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and health. Till death do we part. And those are the promises we made to one another. And we intend to keep those promises. But over 20 years, I've learned a lot. I've learned to shave the sideburns. <laughs> a little bit higher and closer to the ears. But I've learned one thing is true. And Paul Tripp said it. 
said it so well. He said, marriage is a flawed person married to a flawed person in a broken world with a faithful God. And that's so true. It's a, just a flawed person married to a flawed person in a broken world with a faithful God. You ever wonder why God would do that? Why would he put two flawed people in a broken world together in a commitment for life? Why wouldn't he have, you know, helped us be a little less flawed <laughs> before that happened? What we've been seeing all these weeks is that Jesus' heart and his passion is for our hearts. His heart and his passion is for your heart. And the reason that he puts us in these relationships is because he's really after our heart. And marriage is about the transformation of our heart. And that's what God is doing in our marriage relationship. It's not always easy. But that's a part of God's purpose. He's changing my heart. He's changing your heart. He's producing in your life a greater righteousness. And that's his plan. And that's his purpose. So there's going to be days where you are angry at your spouse. There's going to be days where you feel incapable of love. There might be days where you feel isolated and alone. Felt that way, she's felt that way, we all feel that way. And those are the moments to press into that faithful God. To say, I'm in this. I'm staying here. I'm not moving because I have a faithful God. And He's put me in this marriage because He's doing a work of supernatural transformation in my heart and in my life. And that's what God is doing in our lives. And He's using our circumstances. He's using difficult situations at your work, difficult people, challenges in our marriage. He's using all of that because his heart is the transformation of our hearts and our lives. And that's just so important for us to know today. Even in our marriage relationship, this is what God is doing in our lives. It's what he's doing in your heart and he's what he's doing in your marriage so that we would be the ones to say, we have a higher standard. And for us, as followers of Jesus Christ, marriage is for life. And that's what we believe. And that's what Jesus is teaching. But I just want to add one caveat here today. Did you guys see it in Jesus' words? Did you guys catch the caveat that I'm talking about? Matthew 5, 32. It's important for us to see what Jesus is teaching. The sum of God's word is truth. And he gives us this caveat. Matthew 5, 32. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except, everybody say except, except, okay, got a caveat here, except for sexual immorality. The Greek word here is porneia. Isn't that interesting? Sexual unfaithfulness. What Jesus is saying is that sexual unfaithfulness so violates the marriage covenant. It so violates the marriage agreement. It is so painful and so destructive that Jesus gives an exception. And he says, in this case, I allow for a divorce. I permit a divorce. He's not saying he requires a divorce. It's very important. 
But in cases of sexual immorality, if I can say it this way, it is not a sin to get a divorce. Guess remember the story of Mary and Joseph? Joseph finds out Mary's pregnant. He knows he's not the father. What does is, what is the Bible tell us in Matthew 1? What was Joseph going to do? Do you remember? He was going to divorce her quietly. He was going to do it honorably. He wasn't going to make her a public shame. But Joseph had felt that Mary had been unfaithful and he was going to divorce her. And the Bible calls Joseph what? A righteous man. And so this is what we're talking about today. A caveat. Not permission, but an exception. And so we see this in God's word. This is, this is important. I just add this caveat. Yes, marriage is for life, no divorce, yet God in his word permits divorce in three situations. Adultery, it's here, Matthew 5.32. Uh, abandonment, you can write down 1 Corinthians 7.15. That would be, my spouse walked out. My spouse left the relationship. That's what Paul's talking about. And abuse, serious abuse, I believe, would be grounds for divorce. As a pastor, many of us, we've seen all these situations. They're so destructive. They're so painful. And yet, as a pastor, I've also seen God restore marriages in ways that I never believed was possible. And that's who our God is. He's the God of the possible. So I think, we, you know, as we come today, maybe you're thinking about a situation in the past. What about this? Or maybe you're thinking about a situation in your present. This marriage is troubled. There's so much more we could say about this. There's so many conversations we could have. There's so many scriptures we could look at. And what we believe here at Hope is what it says in Psalm 119. The sum of God's word is true. So if you're wrestling with this issue today, I just want to encourage you. Find somebody who can give you biblical counseling and encouragement. That is just so important. The sum of God's word is truth. Look at your life from the lens of scripture. There are marriages even in this church that are struggling. And if that's you, if you're here today and your marriage is in trouble, it is struggling, I just want to encourage you, don't leave God out of the story. You're not alone. Find someone, find, talk to your pastor, talk to an elder, get help. Because God's not done with you, and he's not done with your marriage. Marriage is for life. And, and that's why I want to end today, just with some encouragement. That marriage for life is possible. You guys believe that? We have some married couples in here who have been married a long time. Been through some stuff. Been through some hard things. If they were up here today, they'd be saying, staying married for life is possible. And I just believe that the God who created marriage is the God who can make it work. You guys believe that today? God who created marriage is God who can make it work. I believe that. And I think Angie and I are just such an example of that. Because when we got married, we were young. She was 19. I was 22. We didn't have a clue. And you know what? We didn't have the best examples of marriage growing up. 
She grew up in a home with a single mom. Divorce. My parents so often were on the brink of divorce. But we went into this marriage relationship. Ooh, that's pretty. <laughs> we went into this marriage relationship just saying we want a different story for our life. And so what did we do? Premarital counseling. Oh yeah, baby. One of the best decisions we ever made, by the way. If you're here, you're thinking about married, you're young, premarital counseling. Highly recommend it. I've been a pastor a lot of years. There's two things I know about marriage counseling. You can get it before marriage or after. Those are your options. Sometimes both, <laughs> to be honest. But you get some counseling before, it'll save you some counseling later. That's what I'm trying to say. So we did that marriage counseling, one of the best decisions we ever made. And then we, we took that a step further. And we began to search out older men and women who had good marriages. And we began to look to them to be marriage mentors for us. We've always done that. Just looked for those people who have those healthy marriages to be our marriage mentors. Do you have a marriage mentor if you're here today and you're married? Do you have somebody that can be that couple? And God blessed us so much through the counseling, through the marriage mentors we've had over the years. And we've learned some things. Some things about marriage. I just want to share three of them really quick with you. Three just simple things for staying married um, that have helped us stay married now for 20 years. Here's the first, and it's just really important. It kind of goes with what we've been saying today. It's this idea that we've had in our marriage that divorce is not an option. And when we got married, we got married saying to each other, divorce isn't an option. And we even made a commitment in premarital counseling to not even use the word divorce in our marriage. Uh, in fact, uh, there's, a, there's a couple, and they actually put this into their vows. I want to show you a quick video uh, of this. Just so powerful. That's amazing. And if we've gotten to know couples who've had marriages that go the distance, this is what they're saying. They're saying divorce isn't an option. And, and many of these, these couples in these marriages... They've even taken the word divorce right out of their vocabulary. They don't throw that around. Why? Because it's not an option. It's not even a part of the vocabulary. So that's my first encouragement for staying married. It is possible we take divorce off the table. It's not an option. Number two, if you want to fix your marriage, fix yourself first. <laughs> now I'm saying that to me, by the way, too. I don't know, for those of you who are married, if you, have you ever tried to fix your marriage by fixing your partner? How'd that go? You know, kind of made it worse, right? <laughs> you can't fix your marriage by fixing your partner. Like, try as hard as you want. We just can't change other people. You can't change another person. And so Angie and I, in our relationship, we've had this thing that we say. We say, hey, I'm not your Holy Spirit. And that's just kind of something we've said in our marriage. It's like, you know what? I'm not your Holy Spirit. She's not my Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the one that God sent to change our hearts. And so she's not my Holy Spirit. I'm not her Holy Spirit. You can't change another person. You can't make someone do something that you think they need to do. You know, take your dishes to the sink. How many times have I told you? You know, whatever. You can't change another person. So what does that mean? Man, I can't change them. 
my marriage is, I'm stuck in this. It's for life. Does that just mean I'm miserable for life? No, far from it. Because that Jesus has given you the Holy Spirit to come into your life and to work of transformation in your heart and in your life. And what I'm saying today is you want to fix your marriage, let the Holy Spirit fix you. The best way you can transform your marriage is by allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work of transformation in your heart and in your life. Just think about it. The number one problem with your marriage, it isn't your marriage. It's you. It's me. Just do the math. If you could fix yourself, you've cut your marriage problems in half. <laughs> it's true. How do we do that? How does God change our life? I think that's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. We're coming to Jesus. We're learning from him. This is a... You know, this is kind of a funny weekend to talk about divorce. You know, it's Valentine's Day weekend. Welcome to Hope Community Church. Happy Valentine's Day. It's Divorce Sunday. Whose idea was that? I don't even know how this happened. It's small group this week. What are we talking about? Murder and adultery. Right? Murder, adultery, Valentine's Day. Next Sunday, we're talking about divorce. That's crazy. And so I'm just, I'm processing this in my head. I'm like, number one, didn't see that coming. But then I was thinking, wait, if we dealt with the anger in our heart, if we dealt with the lust in our heart, I think we'd have a lot fewer divorces. And then it kind of occurred to me, maybe Jesus is trying to say something to us. Maybe the Sermon on the Mount is Probably the most powerful marriage advice we could ever receive. Do you think Jesus is that smart? Because I do. What is the very first word on the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed. That means your happiness and your blessing are found in Jesus Christ. And yet how many of us are looking to a person to make us happy? It is not your spouse's job to be your source of happiness. Isn't that what Jesus is teaching us? Blessed. The blessing comes from Christ. And then he talks about anger, lust. He's given us probably the best marriage advice we could ever receive. Dealing with anger. You know, I love how Jesus said, deal, deal with it quickly. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. It's great marriage advice. We haven't even talked about prayer. Loving your enemies. We can love our enemies. We should be able to love our spouse. We have a thing when we're, you know, we, we have arguments just like anybody else. I hope you know your pastor's not perfect. But we'll say, or she'll say, hey, I'm not your enemy. That just reminds us we're on the same team. So much to learn from the Sermon on the Mount. Get the, pl get the plank out of your own eye first. All of this. Could it be that Jesus wants to transform our hearts? And that maybe by fixing ourselves, we could begin to fix our marriages. I believe that's true. Divorce is not an option. You want to fix your marriage, fix yourself first. And number three, I love this. We need Jesus. 
and I need Jesus. And being married is like a daily reminder of how I need Jesus in every aspect of my life. You guys remember the first miracle Jesus performed? Went to a wedding in Cana and he changed the water into wine. Such a crazy miracle, right? What, I, what I've started to realize is that the greatest miracle in that story is not that Jesus turned the water into wine. I mean, that's pretty amazing. But I think the greatest miracle in that story is that Jesus was invited to the wedding. And the greatest miracles I've seen in marriages and people's lives is when they've invited Jesus to the wedding and they've invited Jesus into the marriage. When I got married, there's no way on planet Earth that this was possible for my life. We've been married 20 years. I was young. I had no idea what I was doing. Being married 20 years, it's not because I love so much or because I'm so much like Jesus. This is far from that. The reason that we've been married 20 years is because we invited Jesus to the marriage and we invited Jesus to the wedding and we invite him into our lives every single day. And one of the coolest things I love about my bride is just that she's allowing God to transform her life. And I know that's something that she appreciates in me is that we are allowing God to transform our life and that has transformed our marriage. And that's what God wants to do in our lives, and in our relationships. It's not easy. And uh, if it was just a matter of fixing ourselves, living out the Sermon on the Mount, guys, we can't do this in our, on our own. If it was just, hey, do these three steps, do these five steps, do these 12 steps, we never would have need, needed Jesus. But I realize I need Jesus more every single day. So we need Jesus. And I think the good news of the gospel, of the death and resurrection of Jesus, is that there is hope for you. There is hope for your marriage. And that hope is a person. His name is Jesus. We'll pray. Father, thanks for uh, this morning. Thanks for speaking to the hard issues. And um, we need you, Jesus. So we come today asking for help. Whatever that challenging relationship is, and it may be a mar marriage, it may not be a marriage today. But we know that you are using situations, you're dif using difficulties, you use our past to transform our present. And we want hearts that are open to your word, we want hearts that are open to your Holy Spirit. So in the name of Jesus, I just ask Holy Spirit that you would work powerfully in our hearts and in our lives today. You call us to a high standard. And we know that we can't do that apart from your help. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. And uh, Jesus, I need you to forgive me every single day for things that I do. And so we come today, we confess our sin. Whatever sin that is from the past or the present, we confess it to you. Thank you that you choose to forgive us. Thank you that you choose to remember that sin no more. Thank you that you are a redeemer and that you specialize in the impossible. So we pray for all of the marriages in this room today. And we just ask that you would strengthen them in the mighty name of Jesus. And we give you our lives. And everyone said, amen.